And you know that Kyler Kylo Ren uh, Star Wars meme where he's like more, more. Like, yeah, that that's basically how I felt when I saw Breed out there. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your hosts Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello, 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 and welcome into the Wandering Buffalo podcast, a show on the built-in Buffalo network. My name is Andrew Chang, and as of course with me is my co-host Justin Goddard. Tonight, Justin and I are going to talk about how the Bills grounded the New York Jets on Sunday. Uh, We're going to talk about all the highlights, the lowlights, how we feel about the team's performance, and of course, just our overall feelings and takeaways before we get into all that, you can always find us on most social media and podcasting platforms and, of course, on YouTube by searching up The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Uh, again, we are a part of the Built-in Buffalo Network, so if you haven't checked out any of the shows or content um, on that podcasting network, definitely do that. I know, Justin, you were on a sh- uh, The Windshell Factor with Justice T and Jake Jordan recently, so how, how did that go? Yeah, it was it was great. Um, my first live show. There's a obviously a bit of nerves going on there, but you know, once you stop thinking about the cameras rolling, it's just a bunch of people talking about the bills. And what's better than that? Yeah, that's basically our goal here. So <laughs> can't be can't be the worst thing in the world, right? Seamless transition. Absolutely, and I know there was some annoying guy in the comments section, but he did say you did look pretty good on the live show. I don't yeah, know who that guy is. I don't know who that Andrew C. guy is, but he was yeah. throwing out some nice compliments. Yeah, what a nerd. <laughs> Anyways, let's just get right into this episode. So we got to start with Josh Allen. As always, he went 21 of 28. That's good for 75% completion percentage. Uh, 366 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of 125.6. And he looked so much better this week than last week when, you know, obviously he played against the Jags, which is a game that I'm sure that you and the rest of Bills Mafia is are ready to forget. But this one is not the same, right? Josh looked like the MVP form showed his dominance over an AFC East rival. And it just seemed like a, just a nor- another normal day in the office for Josh Allen. And before, you know, I let you kind of expand your thoughts on Josh Allen, let's just take a step back, right? It's just so nice that we have a franchise quarterback, which isn't something new to us Bills fans at this point. But when, you look at that Jags game, it was a bad day for Josh Allen. And then this day was a great day for Josh Allen. And I want to say that jo- that Jags game was an outlier in terms of like one of his worst performances. But in general, when Josh has a bad day, it's usually like he throws two touchdowns, two interceptions, and throws the on the upper side of 250, which is not bad for an NFL starting quarterback here in the NFL. So and that and Josh usually performs above that benchmark. So I, I don't know. I just feel really appreciative of the guy that we have uh at the helm of the offense. Yeah, to kinda echo your sentiment there, it's it's great when the quarterback we have now, like on his worst day is 
the best day of any quarterback that we had for 15, 20 years before him. And mm-hmm. yeah, the the Jags game was a real stinker and there's a whole lot going on to that to that game. I, I don't put it all on Allen, but he definitely had a bad day, but you know, who of us humans out here don't go to the office once in a while and you know, you're not performing your best or you're feeling a little off or you didn't sleep right and now you're kind of groggy and weird. So, you know, despite these guys being professional athletes and coming out and doing it week to week, they're bound to have a bad day and just be a little off on a day. And, you know, I, I will keep the context that we were playing the Jets this week. So, you know, it was the beatdown that we thought was coming. But, you know, we felt the same way about the Jags the week before. So as mu- the same way I'm not going to put too much into the Jags' loss, I'm not going to put too much into the Jets' win. But the Bills went out there and they, they handled business. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I Josh just looked great out there. Everything seemed like every like everything was clicking and we'll get into you know the position groups which helped contribute to ultimately this bill's victory over the jets um but i do want to talk like quickly talk about that interception that he threw i don't really think it's i mean it was a tip ball right like or off the hands of a wide receiver i i didn't really go back and watch it too much but it just really didn't seem like that was his fault and I saw somewhere on Twitter like somebody was saying like see Josh is throwing more picks now it's gonna happen he's gonna revert back to his rookie year and I'm just like guys like relax like it it wasn't like like a blatantly bad pass like 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 any of the passes that Mike White threw against the Bills like he he Mike White man we'll we'll get to him but he he looked like Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft, if you ask me. I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that we gotta give Josh a little bit of a break here. We want we want a lot for him. There's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And up up until this point, I think he's pretty much delivered on that. Yeah, and that interception, I'm I'm still not fully convinced that that was an interception. It it looked like the uh the ball was moving with the ground a little bit and I think it was kind of at a point in the game where it was, you know, Bill's Mafia is not horribly up in arms about it at this point because it didn't really change any facet of the game all that much. Uh, our defense mm-hmm. was out there doing their thing. So it, it is what it is. But, you know, it, as far as the people that like to get after Josh for uh, even, like, a justified bonehead play or whatever, like, again, this is still... There's still 11 professional athletes on the other side of the field that get paid to make plays too. And, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, when he was playing, they they all threw interceptions. And, you know, obviously you want to limit the mistakes, but it, it, it's something that's part of the game. It happens. And especially with tip balls and whatnot, you know, you, you can't hold it against them too much. And, mm-hmm. you know, outside of that, 75% of his other passes were were completed for damn near 400 yards so not something I'm thinking too much about right and before we get into the rest of this offense you mentioned that there's other 11 other people that the Bills have to face on defense and you know what the Jets just picked up uh Rashad Wild Goose off our practice squad so it looks like uh, the goose is officially loose and 
thankfully you informed me of this before our recording. So <laughs> I had that little tidbit in my pocket. Uh, best of luck to you, Goose. They did it. Could've... They did it out of spite. <laughs> yeah, basically, like I I dislike what you did, so I'm taking this away from you. <laughs> like, all right. Anyways, let's move on to the offensive line and. I got to say, Justin, in general, I thought the offensive line really performed above average, really. I, I mean, we know what they did in the passing game. They they did their job, and it's obvious that this, this line is much better when Spencer Brown is a factor. They get be- immediately better in two spots. Right tackle, you shift Darrell Williams, who we thought was the answer at right tackle, into guard, which is a huge improvement, in my opinion, over Cody Ford. So keeps him on the bench. And then, you know, there's only one true weak spot on that line, and the Bills can kind of, you know, aid Ike Bakker in that that area. And I, I think he did okay, you know. I'd have to go back and watch the tape, but it doesn't seem like Ike Bakker had anything bad necessarily done to him it's just you know it is what it is and like i said we already know what they did in the passing offense but what about the rushing game so i'll you know the carriers of the football they were 24 carries for 139 yards about 5.8 per carry four touchdowns and a long of 24 we'll get to the rushers later but and i'm using air quotes here for rushers but not not bad not a bad day in the office for those who are running in the who are rushing the football for the bills yeah I, I think the the rushing attack did look better this week i think it's a lot to do with those offensive line pieces coming together getting getting spencer brown back out there and being able to kick Darrell williams back inside and we kind of talked about this with the offensive line last week, you know, being able to mask up a weakness at one spot versus having to replace two, three slots because one guy's out. Um, so we still didn't see, you know, tremendous numbers out of the running game, um, but definitely more efficiency. Um, and, you know, my biggest concern there is the fumbles that we had, right? Um Brita, I kind of give him a, a small pass um, just with the fact that he hasn't played live game reps and he was kind of switching hands at a weird time. But we've talked about it several times now. The Singletary fumble issue is real, and he's been very fortunate that he hasn't lost any of these fumbles. Um, but my concern there is that if it doesn't get fixed, it's going to come back to to get us in some sort of key situation where you're kind of just grinding out the clock, trying to get in field goal position to secure a win, and and the other team's got the ball going going the other way. Yeah, and we'll, I'll get into the rushers, as I mentioned, a little later in the episode, so I won't comment on that. But uh, it sounds like we both agree on the fact that the Bills had a better day in the office on the ground, of, as I mentioned, 5.8 yards per carry four touchdowns along a 24 much better than last week's day in the office so let's move on to the tight ends and you know Knox definitely helped open things up definitely with blocking and he he did catch a pass and he also had a drop in the end zone uh you know that was the same play that I think Mosley was called for 
a hit on a defensive player or a helmet to helmet. I, I don't really know what it was, but it, it, from when the replay played, I I saw Knox had a real good chance to catch that football, and it just seemed like it slipped right through his hands. So I'm not going to give him too much crow for it, considering the fact that he did just break his hand. So <laughs> I I think Knox is going to get acclimated back in the offense, so I'm not too worried. Yeah, Knox has earned himself a, a couple free passes from me throughout the beginning end uh, the beginning of the season um that the end zone pass did look like it was a little bit i think it was a little bit behind him and he was kind of adjusting to make the play anyways um obviously you know you'd like to see him pull down one of those circus catches but honestly with the with the hit he took anyways i wouldn't have been mad if if it ended up coming out of his hands he really got whacked and and like you said he's He's still recovering from a broken hand. He's still got some padding in there, so you know, you know things aren't feeling completely natural for him right now. So, I thought you know he, he contributed the one catch for 17 yards, and and overall you didn't really see him as a liability in any other facet of the game. So circumstances being considered, I think it's a solid game from him. Right, right. Let's move on to the wide receivers here. And in total, the ball catchers for the Bills, there was 21 catches for 366 yards. That's an average of 17.4 yards per catch. Two touchdowns off of them and a long of 57. And the Bills made a huge emphasis to get the balls to Stefan Diggs. And it makes sense, right? He's not had the same production that he's had last year. And we, we kept saying, like, well, you know, the teams are, you know, giving more attention to Diggs, so we can't give him the ball as much. And I feel like this game, the Bills just said, fuck it. Let's just toss it to him. Like, we'll make it work. And and it worked. <laughs> so he got eight catches for 162 yards and a touchdown. And realistically, I still think that that first touchdown where he didn't get his feet in bounds, I, I thought it was a touchdown initially, and I still think it is, but, you know whatever and he had that long catch of 57 yards um you know gabriel davis he was a factor probably the most quiet 105 yard like game i've ever seen he had he had like three catches but we all we we know what play i'm going to talk about it's that one pass that he grabbed and it looked like the ball was slightly behind him because he had to go into the defensive back uh, he was able to secure the catch while being interfered and still keep his feet in bounds. Are you kidding me? Just insane, insane catching skills by Gabriel Davis. And we needed this man to step up. Sanders and McKenzie, you know, got in the mix. They, they did the, they contributed to the rushing attack. Sanders had the longest rush of the day. Um, again, going to the right side behind Spencer Brown. Rita caught a touchdown pass. We'll, and we'll get to him. We'll definitely get to him. And what's surprising to me is that Cole Beasley was basically phased out entirely in the second half. We saw him take a couple snaps in the first. But I think the Bills were just like, you know, why are we risking it? We're playing against the Jets, and, you know, we are trying to prove a point here. But it's clear that he's not at 100%. So why, why are we going to trot him out there when what we're doing right now is clearly working? 
Yeah, I'll I'll start with Beasley. I I'll say the beginning of this game and going back last week, he he didn't look entirely right and I think in a game where your offense is clicking on all cylinders, if if you don't need him out there, why keep trotting him out there if you can get the if you can get the plays from your other receivers? Um Diggs obviously tremendous game and you know, they kept trying to match him up one on one and and the announcers were talking about it constantly, like if you line him up one on one, they're throwing it there and you're gonna get beat and and then you just kept going back to the well. And what I really like about that game from Diggs is kind of going forward what it means for the offense that you know, we've seen week to week different receivers having different bigger days and it, it's kind of varied week to week and Going into a tough stretch we have coming up, you know teams are looking at this film of Diggs just torching the Jets. And, you know, maybe that makes him get keyed in on a little bit more and, and we see a little bit of down numbers for him. I don't I don't expect to see this production every week. But the the secondary weapons that we have are pretty top flight receivers as well. And and you see things open up a little bit for Gabe Davis. Agree. Quietest. I didn't realize he had over 100 yards until after the game. Um, incredible downfield ball skills. That that dude's ridiculous. Um, the focus mm-hmm. on that sideline catch is – that's just a play where, like, if he doesn't come down with the ball, I'm like, oh, whatever, that was a ridiculous catch. He drew the flag and everything. But seeing him do it, I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. Give me some more of that guy. And then um, Sanders and McKenzie being in the mix, I I like the way that they were used with like the jet sweeps and some of the uh, some of the different looks. I know we've talked about it before of how much of the jet sweep we saw from McKenzie last year, and not even necessarily giving him the ball, but putting him in motion and getting the defense to show their hand a little bit and. When we don't have the speed in the backfield, obviously we we had it a little bit this week with Brita, um, but just that threat of stretching the defense horizontally that we don't typically have, um, I think that really opens up what our offense can do. So it seems to me like with the addition of Brita too into this game plan that it was kind of uh, let's use this game that we should win to go back to the drawing board and and see what kind of like speed looks we can get out there. Um, so I think this is the type of thing we see a little bit more advancing going forward. Right, right. Let's move on to the running backs, and I'll just kind of go down with each one. So Devin Singletary, seven seven attempts for 43 yards. He did have that one touchdown fumbled again, which you alluded to, so I won't kind of belabor the point, but come on, dude. Hold on to the rock. Like this is this is this is getting out of control, and it will come back to bite us. Moss got in there for seven carries for twenty-seven yards, so a split workload between Singletary and Moss, which isn't unfamiliar to us as Bills fans. Um, but I thought he would have had a, a lighter day considering he just came off uh, c- uh, concussion protocol, but I guess not. And then Brita, only three carries, but for twenty-eight yards. And what is that? 9, 18, 27. So like nine point something. One touchdown. Uh, there was a fumble in there, which was really bad. Like it, it like shot 
shot down the field like 10 yards or something like that. It just flew out of his hands. But one thing to note is that he had three more yards per carry against Singletary and five more yards per carry against Moss. And I know it's a small sample size, but I can't help but feel like I wanted more. And you know that Kyler Kylo Ren uh, Star Wars meme where he's like, more, more. Like, yeah, that, that's basically how I felt when I saw Breed out there. I was like, I only got to see three reps. And maybe that was by design because the Bills didn't want to show too much considering the fact we have a pretty big game against the Colts and then a Thanksgiving game and then Tom Brady at the Bucks. It's it's a it's going to be a rough stretch of games here. So maybe they didn't want to show their hands, but uh, I wanted more. Yeah, I I kind of gave my viewpoints on the on the running backs when we were talking about the offensive line. So I won't spend too much time here, but um, mainly what I did notice in the game is that they were also using Brita in some special teams looks. And I feel like that's, you know, I feel like that's a calculated move to see like if he can contribute on special teams, if we can carve out that game day spot for him. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure that this team goes into a game without Singletary or Moss. I don't think we see either of them inactive, but I do think there is a chance going forward that we see some sort of secondary move to maybe we get rid of one of the linebackers on game day that pretty much just plays special teams and we can we can slot Breida in there to, you know, be able to cover the special teams duties but also be able to contribute even if it's, you know, three, four, five plays on offense. Um, that game breaking speed is is noticeable and mm-hmm. I I would like to see some more of Breida going forward even to the extent of if it meant Zach Moss was inactive on game day. Um, I, I kind of have seen what I need to see from Moss, and I would like to see Brita in a little bit of a more expanded role than, than I want to see more from Moss right now. That's interesting. I kind of like Moss for the pass-blocking ability, and obviously I think Brita has a, has a chance of you know, staying active and dressing on game days because of Kumro's uh, quarantine or what, whatever is going on with him, his situation. But I do agree with you. If there is something that can be done, if we like the Bills truly want Brita on here, they could just not dress one of their like linebackers and that they have out there because they don't see the field except for special teams and Brita play special teams and he can contribute on to the offense i i think for me personally i would definitely i'd be invested in that kind of move but i don't know the the bills might just have something else in store but uh let's move on to special teams you know tyler bass perfect once again he's very very good and matt hawk yeah you're a good holder again nothing new same week moving on (laughs) <laughs> you got anything you want to add to special teams? Uh, I, I will say before we started the show, I saw that um, Bass is currently number one overall in the NFL for kicking. So, woo, go Bass! Mm. And I, I don't think anything is going to happen throughout the course of this season. But going into next year, it's great that 
Matt Hawk is a good holder. I I would like to explore possibilities of somebody that can hold the ball but can also punt when we need a punter. So I'm all set on Matt Hawk. Right. I'm it's... I'm glad he's a good holder and that we don't have to punt a ton because he is not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we get both of those things in one person, that'd be great. It's kind of like how I feel about the Bills running backs, right? And I can't take credit for this initial thought because I think Joe Piscalgia on the Buffalo beat mentioned it. It's like, all right, Moss has got the physicality. Breida's got the speed. Singletary's got the vision and the shiftiness. If the Bills had one person to do that, you know, obviously it'd be a really good running back, but we talk about how this this Bills regime likes to get the most juice or like get the most uh, juice from a squeeze, you know, of like an orange or something like that. I don't think they particularly like the fact that they have three running backs to do one job, you know, and none of them do it particularly well. So it's kind of like, all right, resource allocation. We got to, we got to have three people to do one job. And you know there's that it's also parts of depth and whatnot, but I I think obviously in an ideal world, the Bills would have that, and that that's that's not just a Bills problem. That's literally every team in the NFL in multiple positions. So I digress. Anyways, that's gonna wrap it up for the offense. Stick with us. We're gonna take a quick break, and we bet we'll be back to talk about the defense. Welcome back, everyone. Justin and I are going to wrap up the Bills trouncing of the New New Jersey Jets here, and uh, we'll, we're going to talk about the defense. And there's not a whole lot to talk about because there wasn't a lot that happened on the de- on the defensive side of football in terms of you know them letting up huge plays or something like that. They made plays, but uh, we'll get into that. So here's just the general stats of the defensive outing for the Bills, 69 tackles, 47 solo tackles, one sack, six tackles for loss, 10 pass defenses, uh, seven QB hits, four interceptions, one fumble, forced fumble, and a recovery. And, you know, the Bills' defense is just still performing, and it it's had Tremaine Edmonds out, one of their best players on defense, and it still was just humming to perfection justin before we kind of get granular and talk about each position group do you have any broad strokes you want to say about this defense Uh, just just overall i mean are you gonna hear it in the media all week that like oh yeah they're number one but who have they played i don't i don't care i mean what they're holding nfl offenses to i mean yeah we're gonna face tougher competition that's going to put up some more numbers um but they're really showing through all the games thus far of the season that it's a bona fide defense. You know, we're not, we're not the same defense as 2020. And, you know, you talked about Tremaine Edmonds being out. We had star out too. And and I had, I had pretty big concerns about star being out for this game and it it didn't really matter. They didn't miss a beat. Um, Well, as we break it down, we'll talk more about, you know, the players stepping up that fill those roles, but, yeah, overall, just a great day. Right, right. So you kind of just alluded to it. We'll get into the defensive line first, as we always do. Uh, you know, F.A., I I think he did a pretty good job out there today with those 
with those long tentacle arms of his, he, he had a pretty good day off the bench. Um, but I, I think just in general, the, the day was taken over by Ed Oliver and he won't show up in the stat column like F.A. did with his one sack. But again, Ed Oliver just really wrecked some havoc. And Mike White, obviously, as I mentioned to you before, did not look good whatsoever. He didn't look comfortable. It looked like he had to rush some passes. And you just alluded to this earlier, but my main concern is the fact that Star wasn't there, right? And I was worried about how this team would hold up without him. Is this going to be like a flashback to 2019 Bills, or I'm sorry, 2020 Bills defense where we're like middle of the road, maybe a little worse? And we saw a little bit of that, I guess, when the Jets went to the ground and they didn't have like a fantastic day on the ground, but you know it, it seemed like in the second half for me that the Bills were just letting up some big runs, and maybe that's the, by design. These are just my initial thoughts, but I thought the, the Bills' defensive line worked very admirably without Star Lutulale and Justin Zimmer, but. It, it, I know they can be better than what we saw, which is a very, very promising thing to think about if you're a, a big Bills fan like we are. Yeah, so the defensive line, while they're impressive, is probably, if I have to give it somewhere on the defense, um, where I kind of had the most disappointment in this game, I guess. And it, it's weird to say um, because they did have a great day. I mean, Ed Oliver... Mm-hmm. Eventually, eventually, what Ed Oliver is doing is going to convert to stats, and people are going to be like, "Where did this guy come from?" You know, we've he's been, been wa- here. Yeah, we've been watching the games. We see what he's doing, and he's causing problems straight up the middle. And doing that without Star eating up blocks is even more impressive. Um, a little concerned that you know, I, I guess we technically did register a sack from FA, um, but that was kind of on a. Mike White's rolling out of the pocket, and he just sort of ushers him out of bounds. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this this Jets team with with some injuries across the offensive line and just the overall talent and the quarterback not being, you know, an elite quarterback. I, I would have figured we would have come away with a couple sacks, um, but you know, kind of nitpicking. Yeah, yeah, they gave up some big runs in the second half, but I think you're also kind of setting back into a prevent defense and not not only daring them to, you know, explore the run game, you're down 30 points, um, but also with what our secondary was doing, you know, maybe trying to force them into another mistake or two. Um, so, I mean, it, it wasn't the most impressive outing from a defensive line I saw, but, I mean... It, it's it's just nitpicking something because you know it wasn't a perfect game, but they still played pretty damn well. Right, right. I I don't really have much else to add about that uh, defensive line performance. Again, I thought they did very well, and yeah, you know if you're gonna pick any position group on the defense to say like you know they could have been better, I I guess that is it. But they did perform well, and. Let's transition to the linebackers here to explain why these other groups did very well. The linebackers, wow. Very, very good. And I thought A.J. Klein filled in very, very admirably in Tremaine Edmonds' 
absence. And my doubts about AJ's AJ Klein's ability to play a serviceable serviceable backup in this Bills defense is my concerns are slowly eroding away. Now, emphasis on slowly, but he had a pretty good day out there, in my opinion. And he's no Tremaine Edmonds, but he's done really well when the Bills have asked him to fill fill the role for Matt Milano or Tremaine Edmonds. And his experience is next to none, Justin. So, I, I don't know. I guess I'm sorry, AJ. You... I, my concerns against you have been erroneous thus far this season, but uh, yeah, good job, man. Dude, I'll I'll start by saying, uh, first of all, I filled out my AJ Klein apology form at the end of last year, but that dude had such a good day. Like, I don't, I'm not even here ready to talk about Matt Milano because AJ mm-hmm. Klein crushed it, and. He came on very slow for us last year, and it's crazy in one year's time how we were ready to run him out of town. And, yeah, now I'd still rather see Tremaine Edmonds out there, but I don't feel like we have an absolute liability when Klein comes in the game. And Mm -hmm. I give some of that credit to A.J. Klein for working as a player, but I think that also speaks to, to Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott knowing what, a player can and can't do well and just finding a role that that AJ can fill and and do it well and he was ridiculous in this game he was all over the place he was he was breaking up passes i mean just just a fantastic game from AJ Klein yeah and i'm just going to lump the cornerbacks and the safeties i mean they're all cornerbacks really at the end of the day right <laughs> into into one group here but these guys killed it Teron Johnson, interception. Jadavius White, interception. Levi Wallace, interception. Jordan Poyer, interception. Micah Hyde, stripped the ball from Corey Davis, which led to a turnover, like, just in general, like, just a turnovers. The turnovers, the turnovers, the turnovers. It was truly something amazing, and I loved, I, I don't know who said it, but some someone on the Bills secondary was like, hey, thanks, Mike White, for all the turnovers. Like, <laughs> like honestly, it was just, it was amazing that everyone on the Bill, in the Bills secondary was able to eat out there, and hey, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I, I have nothing negative to say about the secondary. It, it was like the biggest play they gave up all game. I I see Corey Davis running down the field, and I'm like, damn, well, that's a big game. Oh, Micah Hyde pulled the ball out, and he recovered it. Mm-hmm. So it was just, right. it was kind of like, yeah, maybe this is where we gave up some of those some of those chunk runs, but I'll let you average eight yards a carry if it means our secondary can sit back there and, and do this. Um, just even on even on the routine plays that weren't turnovers, I mean, they had I think it was like ten pass breakups too. Um, so all around, even when it wasn't a turnover, they were they were really affecting this game, and it didn't really matter what Mike White was doing; they were they were not having any of it in this game. Right, right. Well, Justin. Not much else to talk about this uh, Bill's dominant performance over the Jets, but who do you have for your spotlight player of the game? Uh, that's got to be my guy, Diggs. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. He's had good games in the season, and he's he's contributing a lot to other players' success on the team, but we haven't really seen him blow up in a game like this where it was just like it doesn't matter what you try to do. Diggs is in the zone. He's got the connection with Allen and just went out there and absolutely crushed it. I had him in fantasy too, so that icing on the cake. Nice, nice. Well, can't complain there. And I, I definitely want to agree with you on Diggs, but I'm going to pick Spencer Brown just to switch it up. I thought he, the Bills missed him, as I mentioned earlier, and this team just looked really, really good when he was back. And I already mentioned that the, the line got better in two spots with just one person. So I I got to give it to my, my guy, Spencer Brown, and he... When he pulled, I, I know that video is somewhere out in Twitter, but when he pulls and just literally lunges his body on top of people to do the block, it's it's quite literally. Amazing. I was gonna ask. It's I awesome. was gonna ask you if you if you had seen that video before before we signed oh, off yeah. here. You imagine it was great. You imagine being like just going uh trying to make a tackle, and Spencer Brown is just with all his athleticism, all his damn near 400 pounds just come flying at you he like left his feet and everything Mm -hmm. i'd stop playing football yeah Yeah, i'm good on that (laughs) anyways that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode stick around for tomorrow where we preview the game against the the colts which uh, game i will personally be attending uh but before we get into all that go ahead and like comment subscribe subscribe sorry i can't speak right now and review our podcast as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the built in buffalo network we're always looking for amazing guests so if you're interested feel free to reach out to us on our social media accounts and justin where can the people find you you can find me on any of the social medias at jgods22 and as always you can find me on most social media accounts by searching up two chang's that's going to do it for us today. Check out our episode tomorrow where we preview the Colts and check out other amazing episodes that you can find on the Built-in Buffalo Network. Go Bills! Go Bills. Go Bills.